0: I wonder, have you ever been really thirsty? I don't mean the I'm dying for a cup of tea when I get home type of thirsty. I mean dangerously dehydrated kind of thirsty. I experienced that once. It was a a hot sunny June day after a prolonged dry spell back in 1981. I was in the Torridon Mountains of northwest Scotland. I'd been out all day in the sun, traversing a big, multi summit mountain in that area called Ben A. And in the naivety of my youth, I'd done it all backpacking with a £40 pound rucksack on my back. Up on the high ridge, there was no water to collect all day, just the bottle I was carrying to drink, and that soon began to run out. By evening, I was very thirsty. I got down into a quarry by the beautiful triple buttress. But I couldn't take the beauty in. I just searched and searched and eventually found a tiny spring of very cold, pure water. It was impossible to drink fast. So I sipped it slowly, little by little, and began to rehydrate to rest. And to recover my strength. It's to a picture of even more extreme drought and thirst that our passage today begins and that's Psalms 42 and 43. These two Psalms were originally two parts of a single poem so we'll consider them together as one. Now remember Psalms are poems And poems communicate truth to us by painting pictures with words. They create powerful images in our minds of life, of its struggles both then and indeed now. Psalms 42 and 43 are laments. They are songs written by the sons of Korah. Well, who were the sons of Korah? They were temple singers and instrumentalists. These musicians now in the psalms seem to be in some kind of exile. Maybe they were literal prisoners of some enemy. Or perhaps they were distanced from the temple at this time for another reason. Maybe it's a mental separation. A type of depression due to the psalmist's circumstances, we just don't know. But whatever the cause, the psalmist feels far away from the normal life that he once knew. And oh, he longs for that again. So let's look at the pictures in these poems. And first we look at Psalm 42 verses 1 to 5. A picture of the drought this is the first picture in the poem the slow agony of drought a withered landscape dying creatures it's typical of the desert in the far south of israel the psalmist feels like a drought-stricken deer he's weak and vulnerable he knows he's not a camel created to endure such arid conditions in verse 3 we see that his only source of food and water is his tears, which pour from his eyes non-stop, day and night. Maybe the drought is a real lack of water, but more likely it is symbolic. Whatever the cause, whether physical, emotional, mental or spiritual, the experience of drought feels very real to him. Verse 4 tells us more about his thirst. It shows how he's longing to be back in the temple in Jerusalem. While in verses 1 and 2, it's clear that he knows and recognises that God is the centre point of public worship. But in verse 4, he so much longs for the companionship of others. Being all together adds to the delight of worship. He remembers how he used to be part of the great assembly, leading the procession of worship in the temple with music and singing. He's got a, a nostalgia for the old normal. And maybe this is you. Are you becoming dry before God during this extended lockdown? Are you losing any real sense of worship? in these online services at home are you craving the encouragement of being back with others on a sunday morning and to add to the situation in verse 3 there's onlookers who are taunting him saying where is god and he feels vulnerable because he has publicly declared his faith in god And yet now he's not in a good place to handle these taunts. God's ways have become such a puzzle to him. And that leaves him open to the ridicule of these outsiders. He feels vulnerable because his thirst is for God and for his worship. Now these scoffers are probably not the main cause of his distress but they're certainly exacerbating it. In verse 5, and again in verse 11, and then in Psalm 43, verse 5, the psalmist gets into an introspective dialogue with himself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? He feels a tension within He knows as a child of the Lord he's called to live in eternity, to keep his eyes firmly fixed on God. But he also knows that he's a frail human being, living in space and time, facing pressures that affect him deeply. As the hymn writer calls it, fightings within and fears without. So we have the drought. And then in Psalm 42 verses 6 to 11 we have the deluge, the second picture in the poem. The psalmist is downcast here because once again he's in an alien environment. He's not at home in the city of Jerusalem that he's so familiar with. This time he's up in the wild mountains of the north of Israel, near to the source of the river Jordan. He's among boulders and rushing, untamed waterfalls. Instead of God leading him beside quiet pools of clear water that would quench his thirst, as Psalm 23 verse 2 tells us, instead he feels he's drowning Verses 6 to 11 are a picture of waters that are almost overwhelming. It's difficult to keep a footing. Wave after wave are coming down over him. It's the same sort of language as Jonah used when in Jonah chapter 2 verse 3 he said, You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. This time the psalmist is feeling that everything has got on top of him. He's gasping for air. He's drowning, suffocating. And in verse 9 you can see that he's hurt by God's seeming absence. He dialogues with God asking, Why have you forgotten me? He's in another tension. In his mind God feels far enough away for him to feel deserted yet he's near enough still too for him to keep talking to god in verse 10 his sense of loss gives him anxiety leading to physical pain in his body i wonder is any of that how you are feeling are you feeling that these last few months have have all just been too much Lockdown, self-isolating, not seeing your family for weeks or even months. Or then there's homeschooling. Or perhaps the intensity of being a critical care worker on the front line. Or furlough and now the looming possibility of redundancy. Stability and normality still seem to be nowhere remotely within reach to you. Yet, just as in the first picture, the deep-set faith of the psalmist keeps asserting itself through the deluge. It's like, again and again, he's bobbing up to the surface. He's grabbing another lungful of divine air before sinking back under again for a while. No wonder in verse 9, he cries out to God, my rock. At last, there is something firm for him to try to cling on to before he's almost swept off his feet yet again. In verse 6, he affirms from the deep waters, I will remember you. In verse 7, we see that as a person of faith, he does not view his troubles As just random acts. He ascribes these to God saying, These are your waterfalls, your waves, your breakers. Even though they're sweeping over him and threatening to overwhelm, he sees God as the sovereign who owns and controls everything. Yes, even his troubles. In verse 8, While the problems are still there, yet in the background his strong convictions are surfacing, holding him up like a life jacket in the foaming water. Even though life is confusing, disorientating, even frightening, he chooses to keep on putting his faith and trust in God. And just as in verse 3 the psalmist was shedding his tears, Day and night. Now in verse 8, he remains deeply and constantly assured of God's love day and night. The Lord used to look after him. Why would he not do so now too? And it's the same for us. The Lord used to look after each of us. So why would he not do so now too? And then we come to Psalm 43, verses 1 to 5. The Deliverance. Throughout the two Psalms, voices from within keep asking rhetorical questions. Twice they ask, why must I go about mourning? Three times they ask, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And once they ask, Why have you rejected me? He asks these why questions nine times in 16 verses. To himself and to God. And in each cycle of questioning, he increasingly ministers to himself. Each time he becomes just a little bit more willing to let go, to express his challenges openly, rather than bottling them up in despair. In Psalm 42, the storms of suffering and distress are showing little signs of abating. Even in Psalm 43, the dark moods of self-questioning are still continuing. But the confused cycles of desperate rhetorical questions increasingly give way to clearer thinking and affirmative prayer. This is not just... Words of dogged defiance of his circumstances, but a real affirmation of his underlying confidence in God. And slowly, this leads to deliverance. It's as if the psalmist has been asking, Where is God? And then the memories of the joy of past worship in the temple reply to him, saying, Remember, God is present wherever. His people are gathering, not just in the temple. And remember, God is just as active today as he ever was before when you were back in the temple. When the psalmist asks himself a third time, why are you downcast, O my soul? This time he tries to give a rational answer and find a way forward. His ordeal of darkness and confusion Give way to a reasoned appeal for God's light and truth to shine into the situation. The God who, by nature, is light and truth, delivers him. Is the deliverance in Psalm 43 literal or metaphorical? That question remains open, both for him and for us too. Because we can likewise experience deliverance in our hearts. Knowing God's covenant loving kindness, his inseparable presence and his perfect peace, whatever our outside circumstances. Psalm 51 verse 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Wherever that heart is, wherever it comes to God, he will not turn it away. The psalmist wrestles and finds a measure of resolution and hope for the future. He praises God for who he is, his God of light and truth. And he praises him for what he has done, for being his saviour and his deliverer. You know, wherever we are, whatever our troubles, and whatever this new normal is eventually going to look like, if we come to God, he will hear us. Jesus promised in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. One day we will all be back at church. In the meantime, let us keep on praising him. Seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. Just like the psalmist. And he promises he will fill us anew again and give us a future.